Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venozzi, joined as always by Tyler Palmetier. And today we've got two guests lined up. Uh, we're going to talk to Coffee County girls basketball coach Joe Pat Cope. We're also going to bring in Christ Presbyterian Academy coach, uh, boys basketball coach Kevin Maggard. Uh, so Tyler, the, the people are going to get a little bit, bit less babbling from us and a little bit more from the stars of the show, which is probably how it should be. Yeah, it's uh, two coaches will be interesting to talk to here as the postseason approaches. Both uh, definitely have a chance to uh, to do something you know special. Absolutely. And before we dive into those interviews, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Let's go ahead and bring in Coffee County girls basketball coach Joe Pat Cope now. And he's going to join us by phone. Uh, Joe Pat, thanks for joining us today. Hey, glad to be on the show, guys. Appreciate the uh, invitation. Yes, sir. Thanks thanks for accepting the invitation. And uh, so after last night's win over Franklin County, Coach, you guys are 24-1 and one, uh, with one loss to Blackman, which certainly no shame in that. Uh, you know, at this point in the season, did you expect that your team would have played 25 games and only lost one of them? 27-1. and one. 27 – oh, excuse me. We're, well, we're currently 27-1. and one. And uh, would have been 28 and one, but you know, Cane Ridge uh, canceled a game on us a couple weeks ago, and uh, just uh, man, it's uh, we've got such a small district, only four teams that our schedule was front loaded and played most of our games in in November and December. You know, tomorrow tomorrow night at Warren County wraps up our season, and then we have about 10 days off uh, before our district tournament. That's pretty – first of all, I was really surprised by that number of games, and then uh, that break is certainly interesting too there, Joe Pat. Um, gonna going to rewind here and ask a little bit about what your career has been like. You were hired as an Ole Miss uh, women's basketball video coordinator uh, in 2016. Uh, what What is that role? I've always kind of wondered what the video coordinator role uh, involves, and uh, in addition to that, what's it been like getting back to the high school level? Oh, man, you know, it was a good experience. I'd been in high school for about uh, 13 years or so before I took the job at Ole Miss with Coach Ensel and uh, video coordinator. Uh, you know, I was first seat on the bench, and uh, uh, all week long I kind of put stuff together uh, as far as what the other team's running. We do some inbounds. We do uh, their top five to ten offensive sets, and, and try to get that on video. And then during the game, if I recognize any of that, it's my responsibility to call that out and, and move the offense and defense where it goes. And then as soon as the game is over, you know, we have our managers filming that game. Uh, we, we put it on, uh, put it online through, through, uh, through, uh, NCAA productions and, uh, you know, have that out there for the rest of the SEC. We had to have that on there by midnight on game day. So is that just to have a – so they have access to your highlights? Yes, well, okay. to our whole game. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody has to share their game, and, and it has to be on there by midnight of game day. That way gotcha. uh, uh, you don't have to – you know, in high school we have to call around and, and get film and trade with coaches, whereas in college you're required to post your games, and that way everybody has access. Gotcha. 
So, Joe Pat, the Vincent sisters have been really key for the Lady Raiders over the past few years. Uh, Bella got to write a story about her a few years ago when she was a senior, and she's now enjoying a, a great sophomore year at Lipscomb. And Olivia, her younger sister, is a sophomore for your team that is playing significant minutes right now. Um, do you see similarities between those two players at all? I do. Uh, the main thing is their work ethic. Uh, you know, I can, I can, we're out of school today, and as soon as this is over, I'm going up to watch film and prepare for practice. And if I'm in my office and I hear a, a basketball start bouncing, I don't even have to look out the door. I know it's Olivia Benson and, and her dad, Coach Benson, my assistant. Uh, she, she works so hard at the game. And, and uh, every time I give them their matchups, I don't – I can just ask her. My team is so good about watching film, especially Olivia. Uh, I can say, hey, who's guarding who? And it's nine out of ten times she's got exactly what I have written down. Just uh, their grand, the middle school gym at Westwood is named after her grandfather, Joel Benson. He was a great coach for over 30 years here in Coffee County. And then uh, her dad, Matt Benson, has been my assistant since day one here. And the family just lives and breathes basketball here in uh, Manchester. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Chloe Gannon has been a force for you guys. I was glancing at her at Miss Basketball, a social card, over 1,300 career points and five hundred over 500 rebounds for a career. She's six foot three. How does that size, Joe Pat, help anchor kind of what you guys do offensively? Oh, man, we run a lot of high-low, and she's actually about a half inch shorter than her sister. Uh, Shannon Gannon, sophomore on her team, so – Having those two uh, in the post, we can uh, – even if a team has one big post, we can just flash that girl high, and then the other sister's going to have a mismatch. So it's been huge, you know. The, the Gannon sisters are a, a vital part of uh, our success. And continue with that theme of family, uh, Joe Pat. You mentioned Coach Matt Vincent on your staff. And it looks like, um, as I was looking at the directory, that you have a couple of other assistants that are parents of players. Is that is that correct? Yes. Uh, Anita Gannon, uh, Anita Overcast Gannon, she played at Shelbyville under Coach Rick Ensel, won uh, three state championships in four years, and then went on to play at UT Chattanooga. She's head coach of our boys' middle school team, and she helps me as an assistant. Uh and then Coach uh, Amanda Ruling, she was head coach at Grundy County. And uh, uh, Jaylee Ruling, our point guard, she was head coach at Grundy County, Jaylee's seventh and eighth grade year. And then uh, when, when Grundy County went in a different direction, uh, coming into Jaylee's freshman year, uh, we were able to hire her as an assistant. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've got – four assistants and all four of them could be high school head coaches. We've got a great staff. We've been together for four years now. Coach Reese Chumley was head coach at Cascade. His wife, Allison Sane, Allison Chumley, played on our 93 state championship team. And uh, uh, their daughter, uh, is, who played for me, Ellie Chumley, is now at Freed Hardeman starting as a freshman. So, you know, we just got a lot of basketball history on our coaching staff. Yeah, that kind of continuity in those roots and 
maybe that, that connectivity with family is, is so important in building. It seems like that's a theme when, when programs become very good and, um, you know, dominant in some way or, or build a big tradition. I'm going to ask you, Joe Pat, to look across the area a little bit. Um, there's some really good teams in, in middle Tennessee. Uh, what, what class four a girls team has impressed you? Uh, Blackman and Bradley central. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but I, I would love to see a different, um, uh, a different way, a different road to the state tournament. You know, if Alabama's having a great year, they beat Bandy, what, 110 to 40 last night. Uh, if they slip up and lose a game in the SEC tournament, they're not going to be out of the NCAA tournament. They're still going to go. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here 27 and one Blackman's 24 and two Bradley central's 20 something and one. And one of these three teams are going home. And that's just in my mind, that's just ridiculous because there's going to be teams that make the state tournament that any of us three could beat by 50. And, you know, the goal at the end of the day is to get your best eight teams to Murfreesboro. And there's no way to do it with the current format. And it just stinks because we're ranked two, three, and four in the state of Tennessee now. Stewart's Creek's six. Uh, and then Warren County and Cleveland and Oakland are all top 15. So there's eight of the top 15 teams in the state, and only two of them are going to make it. I would just love to see a, a better way of, of getting to the state tournament. Well, that leads me right into my next question for you, Joe Pat. I know – Despite running off some really good records in recent years, Coffee County has not been to the state tournament since 1993. Uh, you guys are batting a thousand though, because uh, the 1993 team did win the Class AAA state title. But you mentioned just how difficult that road is to get to Murfreesboro. Um, you know, despite all that, I mean, what do you think it's going to take to kind of get over the hump and, and try to try to get your team there to this the state tournament after all these years? Oh man, you're just going to have to win uh, a four. <laughs> four tough games in a row. You know, that 93 team that won the state tournament, uh, they had got all three of their losses that year were to Kelly Jolly and White County. Uh, and and fortunately for them, White County beat them by 30-something 30, 30 points in the region finals. Well, then White County gets knocked out, and it opened the door up for Coffee County to win the state, which was great. And, uh, you know, for us to do that, we're going to have to beat Warren County, a very good basketball team, uh, in our district championship game. we got to win that game. And then that's going to put us uh, uh, having to beat Cleveland, uh, you would think, in the, in the region semifinal. And then you're going to have to go back-to-back and beat Bradley Central and Blackman. Uh, there's just no nights off after that region semifinal game. So if you beat number two, in the state or number three, you're going to have to come back and beat number four the next night. And yeah, can it be done? Absolutely. But the odds of beating two top five teams on their floor back to back nights is it's pretty tough. Hey, Joe Pat, uh, this is the last thing and then we'll get you out of here, but have you thought much about what that format would look like in terms of getting the best teams uh, to the state tournament it, do you have a like? I could put you in the executive director chair for a second. Have you thought about what that is? Yeah, I have one more day. Uh, take it from eight teams to sixteen teams, and it's one more day because you that first day it would cut from sixteen to eight, and you take the same format we have, take the eight teams, and then 
have a committee just like the NCAA tournament and take your top eight teams that outside of that. There's some regions that have uh, four teams in the top ten in the state, and two of those go home. And, uh, you know, I coached golf for, for years. Uh, I had a, had a bunch of guys in DeKalb County uh, go to the state tournament, and we would be kids in our region would shoot 72 and not make the state tournament, but you would have kids from West Tennessee come in and shoot 156 and be at the state tournament, and that's just – it's not right. You want your best kids in every sport at the state tournament and your best teams. So just add one extra day, take eight extra seeds from the, the regular season should mean something. You know, uh, like I said, Blackman, Bradley Central, and us are no doubt in my mind top five teams in the state, and Scotty's not going to be there. And add them an extra day because if you draw – uh, one of the West Tennessee teams or even some of these Tennessee teams, they're going to win and go deep into the state tournament. So just add a – it would be easy. Add an extra day, add eight teams, and there you go. Sounds logical to, to us, Joe Pat. Uh, but with the way you guys are playing right now, it seems like you're going to be right in the mix regardless. So uh, thanks again for joining us, and best of luck the rest of the way. We're looking forward to seeing how everything shakes out there in the tournament. Hey, man, appreciate you guys and everything you do for uh, uh, sports in Tennessee, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, Joe Pat. That has been Coffee County girls basketball coach Joe Pat Cope. We are going to take a quick break now and come back with Christ Presbyterian Academy boys basketball coach Kevin Maggard. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It was just a few cocktails at happy hour. <laughs> Good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, R.A. Dickey. R.A., did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan <laughs> <laughs> other guy Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama, so other guy Wham had pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice.
We are back here on Main Street Preps this week, and it's time to welcome in Christ Presbyterian Academy boys basketball coach Kevin Maggard. Kevin, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys today on a, uh, I guess it's not really a snow day. It's more of an ice day, I guess, uh, with no school. Yeah, yeah, snow days, I guess, we're, and ice days were a little more fun, uh, I guess, when I was a kid, and it didn't uh, inconvenience kind of a day here. But uh, no, that's okay. Hope Maybe we'll get one more snow before it's all said and done, Kevin. But um, Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah Just not the state tournament, please. This is this didn't Correct. work for me today on on signing day. I, I didn't I didn't agree with that. Yeah, I think uh, we I think we have five or six kids who were signing today, so we'll push that to tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, for those kids to sign. So yeah, that was kind of a kind of a letdown that it happened on today for them because that's a great day for them and the opportunity to play in college. But we'll do it tomorrow, and uh, you know, it just kind of delays a little bit after today. So, Kevin, uh, Max Preps and Coach T failed me a few minutes ago when we were talking to Coffee County girls basketball coach Joe Pat Cope, but I think you guys are 18 and 6 right now. Is that is that correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. So, 18 and 6, uh, having won five of your last six games. I mean, what do you just kind of make of where your team stands entering this final 10 days of the regular season? Well, I think we've made some uh, improvements. Um, mainly on the defensive end, our ability to uh, defend, be physical, um, and really uh, make it really hard for some of our teams to get the, as good of shots as they normally get. Uh, and then offensively, we've been, we've been a little bit better. I think our guys are getting a little bit more accustomed to playing with one another. That takes a little bit of time with football guys getting acclimated coming out after December. So really, we feel like we're playing some of our best basketball right now, uh, which is great because obviously the teams that we play in our region – uh, night in or night out are very tough, regardless of what their record indicates. Uh, so we need to be playing well. And so, you know, it was disappointing not to play last night, but we'll make that game up at some point next week. But um, felt like really defensively we've gotten better, and I feel like our just guys have started to play well as a unit uh, with the five guys that are on the floor. And then uh, as we get our mix of our seven or eight guys in, I just feel like we're a little bit more cohesive than we have been, say, in December. Yeah, some really emotional, uh, I would guess, uh, hot, sweaty games, but you guys aren't exactly dressing down on your staff. I asked you about this last year. Uh, you know, you guys, and we've got your photo up here as your avatar. You, you got your, you know, you got the classic uh, yeah. uh, jacket, no tie, uh, blue dress shirt look, um, <laughs> which is that's just less common than it used to be on the sideline, as we know. I don't know when everybody relaxed. Uh, maybe it happened somewhere around uh, COVID, but like, did you start that with them that said, look, we're going to look good on the sideline? Or how did you guys come to that, uh, you know, that uh, decision? Well, really, it's a continuation of what uh, Coach Drew Maddox had done for the last 15 years on the sidelines and then being his assistant. It was kind of an uncommon look, uh, but it did bring, you know, what we want to try to do for our kids at CPA is to make the big time where it is, to make this the best opportunity uh, and experience possible at the high school level. And so part of that is how do we conduct ourselves on game day? How do we look? We want our guys dressed and ready like we're going to look on the side. Guys are going to stand up when they come off the floor to get five. The coaches, how are we going to look? We're going to make it look uh, the way we want the experience to be. Uh, is that a little bit different than what everybody else? Yes. There's days that we're, we're, we're wearing our coaching polos and our uh, coaching pants on the sidelines. But most nights we're going to dress up in a, you know, in, in a suit just to create the atmosphere of like, we're ready to play. We want our guys ready to play. 
and we'll play at our very best on that given night. Sometimes we're going to win those games and sometimes we're going to lose them. But it is the uh, part of that is the, it's almost like putting on your business suit. We're going to work that day. That's what we're going to do. And uh, it, it works for us. I know not everybody does it and that's OK. But for us, we feel like it works. You mentioned Drew Maddox a moment ago, and of course you took over the head coaching job for him entering last season. And at that time, there was a lot happening with your program, you know, on top of losing some uh, some key seniors from the year before. Of course, uh, Coach Maddox t- left and took a, a job in the private sector there in the summer, and then Braden Moore transferred in the fall. You guys were still able to manage the 18 wins last year as well. But uh, has this season been a little easier now that things are more settled for you guys? Uh, in some ways, yes, it's it's definitely been a little bit easier because I had a full summer with uh, this team uh, in team camps. But obviously, uh, we felt like, um, you know, last year we had great senior leadership and and we had eight seniors and Evan Shifflett, who's at UT now, Jake Dykstra uh, at Belmont University, Brevin Clem, who's at Oglethorpe, and then uh, 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 Colby, uh, who was at uh, Hampton, Sydney. Felt like we had great senior leadership with those guys. And so that made the transition easier, but it, it is nice to have uh, this team for the full summer grow, get to know them a little bit. And Morris, their head coach, would making that transfer from the assistant coach. But um, just not much experience in terms of these types of games that we're playing right now. So I feel like that's uh, the experience this year has really paid off for these guys as we've gone through it. So uh, definitely a little bit easier. But last year's group was, was phenomenal. Uh, great leadership from those guys that made the transition to the head coach uh, chair a lot easier for me than I think it would have been for most people. Uh, Ryan Valero averaging just over 15 points and eight rebounds a game for you guys. Uh, it's so good when you get a guy that almost is just guaranteed to give you that double-double uh, just shy of it every night. What has impressed you about his season? Uh, Ryan's been phenomenal. It has been a huge uh, improvement from each year for Ryan. And so for him, his ability to shoot the basketball and stretch the defense has been a big key for us. And then he's gotten much better around the basket and finishing around the rim. He gets a little, a lot of ISO coverage one-on-one in the post with our ability to shoot the ball on the perimeter. But I think the thing that really stands out that, that you may not see that I see day in, day out is his leadership ability. He's really grown as a vocal leader, uh, an encourager. You know, I think about to the game that we won on the road at Lipscomb. Uh, Ryan fouled out late in the fourth quarter. You know, that's a game that he's been waiting his entire career to be in. And then he has to be on the bench by fouling out of the game. But Ryan was the most vocal guy in our timeouts. He was the most vocal guy on the bench during the overtime. And we really believe that that really matters to help and his teammates to know hey, I'm in it for you guys. I'm in it for what our team's doing. And so I really appreciate that because that would be very easy or the common thing would be is like, well, I fouled out. I'm not getting to play. This is the game I wanted to be in. But I think Ryan sees the big picture. And I think that really has carried over to how well he's played throughout the course of the season because of that viewpoint that he has. And uh, that's just a tremendous characteristic for him and one that I really appreciate. Another player who's come of age this season is sophomore guard Gunnar Lewis. He's averaging about 15 points a game as well and shooting uh, an elite 44% from the three-point line. Uh, Kevin, what's behind Gunnar's surge this season? Uh, that's all work ethic. That is a kid who lives, breathes, eats, sleeps basketball all the time. And I think 
his ability to be more comfortable in those situations has really grown and developed. You know, he got he got some time last year and just a taste of the experience of being in those varsity games and in big games. And then now this year to where he's on the floor, you know, almost all the time. And I think just the ability that he's put, the work he's put into it behind the scenes and how that's transferred over to our practices, I think he's just gotten very comfortable in that situation. Uh, but I also think, too, he's not willing to rest where he is. He wants to continue to improve and get better. Uh, obviously, he has aspiration of playing college basketball. But I think uh, his ability to carry over what he does behind the scenes, then into games, and start to be comfortable with it and know that he has the ball in his hands at certain times to make the right play. Once again, I think back to the play at Lipscomb Academy. You know, we're on a little bit of a run, and Gunner's made some big shots. And then in the overtime, uh, he gets a two-on-one situation, and he gives it up and makes an unselfish pass to Jason Taylor in the corner. It's a three to give us the lead. And that was Jason Taylor's only points of the game. But Gunner was willing to make the extra pass because that was the right play. And that comes from experience. And uh, I just really think that his work has really starting to pay off here. And and he's not going to keep his foot off the pedal. He's going he's gonna to keep the hammer down. <laughs> Big game at NBA on Friday. Uh, Marcel Reed for NBA is playing some of the best basketball of his career. Uh, I know he's been playing some good basketball for a few years now, but it, have you noticed anything, uh, Kevin, that he's improved upon since last season? I think he's a lot more assertive. Uh, you know, they uh, played phenomenal against us the first time that we played them. They went 10 of 19 from the three-point line, and I think Marcel either had 28 or 30 points, and he was spectacular. I, I think there's a level of confidence and assertiveness that I see when he has the ball now. I'm not saying that wasn't the case last year because he had that, but I think there's a, the more maturity he has, he understands his role. I know his teammates, he has great teammates and they're great players, uh, but I think they understand there's certain times Marcel's going to be able to take and make a shot and they have tremendous confidence in him. And I think that, once again, probably comes from his experience of playing both in big games in football, and then obviously in basketball over the last two years. But I think there's a little bit more assertiveness and confidence when he brings the ball down the floor and scouting a few games in person and then obviously watching them in our game. That's the thing I think that's been most evident. You guys hand out a couple of uh, unique awards after wins, the dog and the shovel. Uh, for the unfamiliar, yeah. can you explain what those are and how a player can earn one? Well, we, we kind of, once again, that started um, in my first season with Coach Maddox as his assistant, and we were looking for ways to recognize players who kind of did the uncommon thing because it's easy to look at who has the most points, uh, those things that, that everybody tends to recognize, and we wanted to recognize guys who were maybe doing the dirty work or the term that we use, you need to play like a dog, which means you show great hustle, great energy, great effort, you're a great teammate. And so each night after wins – we started recognizing guys who had those attributes and those characteristics to really say, Hey, you're, you, you're, you have a great value to the team, even if you didn't have the most points. So in some nights, you know, Jason Taylor, I think he got the shovel after the Lipscomb because he made a big three, you know, or, you know, Ron Valero may get the shovel because he gets, he has key rebounds at certain moments or Maddox Ruth does the same thing or Jack Fry you know, leads us in assist. It's those types of, you know, characteristics that we tend to look for because it's easy to look at who has the most points. But sometimes it is winning plays, a rebound, a great screen, uh, 
you know, taking a charge, making the extra pass, that those things uh, really determine whether or not you win or close ball games, especially in our region. So we just, we kind of started that, I guess, you know, four or five years ago. And it's just been a tradition that uh, our guys take great pride in it. You know, the shovel and the dog are in our locker room. Uh, they travel with us on the road. And so I think it just means something to them. And for us, it just, it really started uh, building that characteristics of what we want to say is like, hey, those are winning plays and your teammates get to name you. So for whoever who won the dog and the shovel in the previous game, they get to recognize in front of their peers who gets the dog and the shovel. So it's not the coaches doing that, but we feel like that empowers our kids to recognize what their teammates are doing and the value they bring in that particular game. We're, we're running low on time here. Kevin, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a big open-ended question, and I hope you can give me the short your short version of the answer. Uh, would Tennessee okay. high school basketball? You guys play a fast-paced basketball style. Would you? Would Tennessee high school basketball benefit or be hurt by the addition of a shot clock? I think it only would help us. Period. Um, in the short answer, and talking to the teams that came from Georgia. Uh, Mississippi and Arkansas who played with the shot clock, they said it had no impact until you probably got to the last two minutes of a ball game uh, because obviously you can't uh, stretch the floor and make teams value. So I would think it would only help Tennessee basketball in terms of the pace, uh, the excitement of the game. Uh, I just don't see any drawback to it. Fair enough. Yeah, sounds good. We we obviously we'd be in favor of. We're ready to go. It wouldn't bother us one bit. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, well, Kevin, I thank you guys having me on the show today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Thanks for being here, and good luck the uh, the rest of the way. Thanks, Kevin. All right, that's been CPA boys basketball coach Kevin Maggard, and we are all out of time. So, on the way out, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Thanks for listening and watching today. And we will be back next week with another episode. So we'll see you then.